0: start in John 5 verse 31. We're going to start in John verse five or uh, chapter five, verse 31. And it says this, "And Jesus is speaking, and he says, "If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that His testimony about me is true. You have sent." to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. Okay? Have you ever done anything that was awesome, that was super cool, and you wanted everyone to see? You were like, I want that on video, or I want all my friends there. That was super awesome. Like, I want every time my friends are around to talk about that. Or have you ever had a moment where you didn't want anyone there, where you've done something, where you wish you were all by yourself? Camp Mac. Okay, It's now called Camp Blast. I don't know who's in charge of it. It's a horrible name. Uh, uh, if you didn't know, it's Brian Moore, one of my friends. He's in charge of it. He, he goes here. Love you, Brian. But he did Camp Mac, and I have been part of this camp for a long time. My father was the uh, speaker and he was also uh, the, uh, the music leader. So he was part of this camp. So it's a younger age, but I got the privilege of going before you know I was allowed to go because I would just be with my, my dad. Uh, then I was there as a student. And then there's this awkward in-between time. We call it teenage years, uh, but this is the awkward uh, in-between time right before you can be a counselor before you could be the counselor and actually lead thing. And what that in-between time was after you're a student, in between that, it was the gopher. You basically did all the work that no one else wanted to do. And that was my job. So I got the privilege of of doing that. But it gave me some more free time, a little bit, to hang out with my dad when he would lead music. And we came up with this. It was silly, but like a funny idea. Uh, We thought, hey, when the kids come in, We are gonna have a guitar solo playing on in the music, in the background, going on, and I would be up on stage acting like I'm playing because I'd be young, and I knew a little bit about guitar, I knew a little bit, and I knew the riffs, it was like some song, and I was just going, and so so we started out, so I'm sitting there playing, the lights are on me, I'm playing, like, acting like I'm, I'm going, and of course, these are young kids, they're going in, and they're looking, and they're like, one, why are you playing, or two, they're like, oh, whatever, and they're playing, but then, I don't know if you noticed this about me, I started getting into it. I started getting a little excited. I started playing a little bit. I started going a little bit. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know, I was probably 14 at the time. I thought maybe I could play like Jimi Hendrix, you know, like playing behind my back, playing like this. And I started going a little bit. I really started getting into it. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to go down like this. And then I whip it up really high and hit myself in the face. <laughs> hit myself so hard in the face, my tooth was loose. And I'm like this. And now the kids are dying laughing. They're having a blast. I am not. I don't want to be there at all. I then walk out. And you know when you're like walking out and no one's around you, but you still feel like everyone is watching you. And like you're more important than you really are, but you're still like, you're just feeling that weight. And I go in there. You know what's funny is I still think about that sometimes. And I think about it and be like, oh, I am so glad that those kids, they don't remember anymore. They don't think about it. You know, there's not really that many witnesses, but there are some witnesses. Because my father still remembers. His buddy, Richard, who was there helping him do sound, remembers. And they like to remind me of it every once in a while. There are times where witnesses bring... a." bring authority to what is happening like it brings at that moment happen it's happening it's it's what it is and when you look back at it that's something that happened in my life and i'm so thankful that my tooth is still in my head today but i do remember that as a trying moment in my life and You know what is so awesome, and I've really appreciated it as I've been digging into John. We are so blessed to have the Word of God be a witness to what Jesus did. We are so blessed of the people that wrote down the stories, that told the stories, uh, that was orally passed on and written down. What a blessing it is to have the witness, and Jesus is going to be talking about that. And I'm excited to share just a few of Jesus' interactions with the valid testimony and true witness about who Jesus is. Jesus wants you to know and trust who he is. And Jesus is going to bring some witnesses in John 5. And I'll tell you right now, there are the testimonies of John the Baptist, the testimony of the works of Jesus, the testimony of the Father, and the testimony of the Scripture. A little bit of a side note, just to, to sort of think about. Did you know that in the Old Testament, Old Testament law required the testimony of two to three witnesses? John 8 is one example of that, and you can look, in John 8, 13 through 18 says this. He's in a discussion, and this is, this is a, a, a just one uh, part, and this is the, a new part where Jesus is bringing this up. The, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus, and this is what they say. They say, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who set me. This is the verse. Verse. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who set me bears witness about me. So Jesus is is obeying the old law about, hey, the witnesses of who he is. Okay, He's going to bring more than two. He's going to bring more than that. But just so you know, he is continuing. And this is what is so beautiful. This is him fulfilling the Old Testament, the Torah. This is him fulfilling it. Let's start like what we just read earlier, John 5, 31. It says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. This is amazing about what Jesus and God is doing. Jesus is already laying down the framework that he and God are one. That this is not just him out there. This is him and God. That the Father's testimony is true. And it's not just that he's going to claim it. He'll prove it. Because, you know, he could say something. Have you ever had anyone in your life that, is, that you just cannot trust their word? Okay, mine was a guy in college. His name was Brian. Not Brian Moore, I'm not picking on him today. It was another guy, another Brian. This guy said that he was being recruited by Bobby Bowden, you don't know who that is, but to play receiver at Florida State University. Okay, one of my, it's my favorite. I can tell you this, he wasn't recruited to play intramural football <laughs> at Huntington University. There was no way he was being recruited by a Division I scholarship. All of a sudden, you can't trust his word. You know, there's, there's, there's this, and we can trust God's word, but Jesus is bringing even more evidence of, it's just not me, it's saying it's me, my father, and all of what we're talking about today. And the first witness that we're going to be talking about today is John the Baptist. His first witness is John the Baptist, and he says this in verse 33, You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. John the Baptist is a a shining light. It's used in that. He says, John was a lamp that burned. So let's take a look at what uh, what a lamp is. I like how uh, Barclay he he uh, demonstrates this a little bit. He says this. He said that John was the lamp which burns and shines. That was the perfect tribute to him, John the Baptist. A light bear, uh, bears a borrowed light. It does not light itself. It is lit. Okay, a lamp. You know, he's a lamp, but he's not the one that's lit. He's a lamp, and he he does that. And and Barclay continues, John had warmth, for his message was not cold and that of, of coldness, but one of burning of a kinder, loving heart. John had light, and the function of light is to guide. And John pointed men on the way to repentance to God. And in nature of things, a lamp burns itself out. It's giving light. It consumes itself. John was to decrease while Jesus increased. The true witness burns himself out out for God. I love that. As as he's a light, it's a shining light. He is shining to burn himself out for God. He's not the light, but he is like a lamp showing the way. Now, you have to remember the reason why that's important that he's a a lamp is there are people in that time and area looking for the Messiah. Like they want the Messiah, they're looking for. There are still Jews to this day that are looking for the Messiah. They are looking out for him. And for a time, the religious leaders trusted John the Baptist. John was a shining light leading a different life than the entire world. He was baptizing. He was preparing a way for Jesus. And Jesus is asking these religious leaders to continue to trust John's testimony. Remember, his life, his example, and his witness to God himself talking to Jesus at Jesus' baptism where they all heard the word said in Matthew 3 17 it says this this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased this all comes to mind when John the Baptist is being used as a testimony for the validation of who Jesus says he is the Pharisees and other religious leaders had dissected and looked at John the Baptist's ministry Get, they're looking for the Messiah and John the Baptist had said it is not him but that Jesus was sent as Lord that Jesus was the Lamb of God that Jesus was the Son of God John the Baptist knew his role and he didn't miss Jesus when he came it was not about John the Baptist ministry it was all about Jesus but John the Baptist could testify to the truth of Jesus. We too can know and trust who Jesus is. Have you ever used a witness, like maybe it's at work, and you love when someone backs you up? Maybe you're, you're in a meeting and uh, something bad happens, and all of a sudden there's someone that says, no, he did it the right way. What a relief. There's something there, there that there's, there's a shining light to the truth. There's a shining light to, the, to what is really happening, and we need, need that. And Jesus is using that as the first being that, yeah, John the Baptist, the one you guys trusted, looked at, dissected, he is a light. And we'll get into a little bit next week about how he connects with Elijah. But that leads to our witness number two, Jesus' works says this in 536. It says, I have testimony testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. The works that Jesus did. All over Scripture, and especially in the book of John, there is a distinguishing look at power, grace, mercy, and love of Jesus' life. Jesus brings this light into a dark world. Jesus has power over these dark powers. That's why the demons know who Jesus is. Jesus is saying to look at his works, to look at his fruit, to see what he produced and is producing. From Moses to Elijah to Peter to Paul and others, they did, did miracles himself and other amazing actions, but none of them ever proclaimed to be the Messiah. Also, Jesus was put at the highest level. He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He turned water into water. He healed the blind man. He made the man being able to walk again. He healed leprosy and so on and so on and so on. And I just want to realize, too, that there is a spiritual warfare going on. There are dark powers going on. They too can do miraculous things. But with them, they bring destruction. They bring death. They bring pain. They do not bring life and they do not bring light. And there is a difference. And you can see it in the world today. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's heart is not that of death and destruction, but of mercy and grace to those in need. And we are all in need of a Savior. I'm going to jump to Luke 8. If you want to go there, i write it down. Luke 8, 43. One of the works that we're going to be talking about is the woman that had been suffering a bleeding. It says this in verse uh, 43. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors and yet could not be healed by any, approached from behind and touched the end of the robe. Instantly, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. Someone did touch me said Jesus, I know the power has gone out for me. When the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. In the presence of all the people, she declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The woman is in need. Now, we need to take a look at the fuller story you have to know what jesus is wearing okay they would be garments from uh the like if you wanted to write this numbers 15 and and like deuteronomy twenty two twelve. 12. It, it says this it says the to make tassels on the four corners of the outer garments to wear these tassels were to be reminders to the people and to the man that was wearing it themselves to obey the commandments of God. Jesus would have warned this. But there's even more in the Old Testament. Malachi 4.2 says this, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stalls. Okay, you're like, John, you are all over the place. Your wings, you got tassels. Okay, there's a connection. The Hebrew word for wings is kanepa, which is used throughout the Old Testament. In, in ways, it means the corner are the hems of the garment. And an example would be that, remember when uh, uh, Samuel is saying to, uh, to Saul uh, uh, that God is basically done with him, that you uh, did not obey his words, and he walks away, and what's Saul do? Saul grabs the kanepa at the end, and he pulls it. And I love how Robbie Galladi states this. He says, in the uh, messianic context, it suggests that the Messiah will appear and he will have healing in his wings, the knepa, in the corners of his garment. In other words, his arrival will be associated with healing and restoring of the people. And this is what the crowds were seeing in his ministry, the ministry of Jesus Christ. But his healing was more than physical, of course. The son of righteousness, God himself, will possess healing in his tassels. Not merely physical healing, but spiritual restoration from sin. The woman was reaching for the canepa, the wings. It is more than just that of healing. It was a visual sign that she believed that Jesus was the Messiah. That she believed that she actually trusted what Malachi 4.2 said, that the Messiah will bring healing within the wings. These are the good works. These are just some of the good works that that Jesus had shown and done. And this is what is great. She was physically healed, but she also identified who Jesus was. She identified who he was and where he stood. And that goes to who Jesus is. John even says that there are so many more stories that he could say, but he doesn't because he doesn't have enough room in his book. He says in John 20, 30 through 31, he says this, Jesus performed many other signs, our works, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Wiersbe adds on to that by saying, John selected seven of these signs, these works, to include in his gospel as proof that Jesus is the Son of God. He continues, the fact that Jesus made this claim, that he was the Messiah, backed it up by his mighty works, and perfect life is evidence that his claim is true. Throughout all of Jesus' works, he made it clear that Jesus' works were the works of the Father. Jesus' works are for us to know and trust Jesus. Now, next week we're going to go into the next two witnesses, but we're going to take just a couple of minutes and take a look at some of the names of of what Jesus and the Son of Man uh, is. All the names that are used in the Old Testament and also the New Testament, Jesus is called the Son of Man. He's called the Son of God. He's called Lord, King of Jews, only begotten Son, High Priest, Lamb of God. Like, go on and on. There's more. These these all have references. So I'm going to give you a few of these as you can continue to look back and be like, oh, these are all pulling back into points. And we're going to get into that in the next couple of weeks, uh, uh, or next week, uh, the Kahash The kash uh, is actually a meaning of uh, uh, a pullback. So it would be something like this. Our father who art in heaven. Okay, good job. It it brought you back to something. How about this one? This one is for, okay, this is going to tell you a little bit. I'm loving it. Nice. McDonald's. Someone got it. All right. There's a So what is happening a lot of times when these words are used and when there's certain words used, it is pulled back to the Old Testament to remind you of the story, to remind you, just like the wings are, it's reminding you of who Jesus is, who is, or who, what these are. And so, like son of man, okay, we talked about it a little bit downstairs at the Sunday school. These are names that are talking about uh, uh, who he is, who Jesus is, his divineness. Uh, It says this, You see it all the way, and Doug talked about this a little bit. The son of man sounds very much like, oh, he's the son of human. This is actually the complete opposite. It's a very divine saying. It is from Daniel 7, 13 through 14, and it says this, Daniel speaking, In my vision at night I look, and there before me was one like a son of man coming from the clouds of heaven, He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His domain is an everlasting uh, dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Sounds like someone we know. Jesus. But that's why it is called that. That's why it it is said that. You have the high priest example. High priest all the time. You you can go back to some people consider Adam the priest over Eden. And of course he failed. And then you go to Moses and Aaron as the high priest. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is the high priest. He is the one. I'm going to do one more just to get our minds thinking that these have meaning. These have backing up. It's the Lamb of God. Lamb of God. Let's look. These are a couple of examples. John 1.29 says, The next day, and this pulls back in John the Baptist, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's meaning in that. And the reason why I'm sitting on this a little bit is sometimes we just read it and we're just like, oh, older people use weird words. They just use Lamb of God like, uh, that's cool. Like, Lamb, I guess. All right, I guess an innocent animal. You know, like Jesus is innocent or whatever. Like, no, like there's more to that. Like you can look. And uh, bring it uh, back to Leviticus 4.35. And uh, and it talks about how Leviticus 4.35, They shall remove all the fat, just as the fat is removed from the lamb of the fellowship offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the food offering presented to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them for the sin they have committed. And they will be forgiven. It's a, there's another callback. It's also used, Paul uses it, Romans 8.3 for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in the flesh. And Revelations twelve eleven says this, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And the final one is Revelations 21, 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those are powerful words. Those are powerful analogies. These are powerful things to continue to remember. I want us to, as we go through these next two weeks, I want us to really trust and know who Jesus is. Not in wishful thinking like, oh, I hope I get to heaven, or oh, this. No, we have a Savior that has testimony. We have a Savior that is who he is, and we can rest solid on that foundation when the rest of the world has gone crazy, when the rest of the world doesn't make sense, when the rest of the world is out there and you don't know what's going on. We have the testimony and truth of who Jesus is and who he will be for eternity. And we need to rest in that. We need, to, we need to know that better. I don't want us just reading by words being like, oh yeah, that makes sense. No, we need to know what those words mean because every time the Lamb of God, no, I see, it. I see a Savior that died on the cross. It's now changed to just, oh, He's just a lamb. No, He sacrificed for me. That's what He is, Son of Man. He will come back on a cloud of glory and He will stay up there and He will reign over forever. Him and God are one. When you start looking at it in that context, it starts changing the way you see the Bible and the way that they're writing it. And it's all connected and it is beautiful. From Daniel 7 all the way to John 5, it is too beautifully put together for us humans to make it work. It is God alone. Jesus alone and what a beautiful thing to sit on and I want us to trust in that and to step in that and so when you read the word don't be afraid of it highlight it and go look it up highlight it bring it to me highlight it and and dig into it what a beautiful thing to be doing to look back and see what God is doing I promised you I would tell you the last two just because some of you are note takers and you just want to write it out but we will be going over this next week like a little tease Witness number three is the Heavenly Father and witness number four is the Scripture. And I'm excited to dive into how the Holy Father verifies who Jesus is. And also the Scripture marks it down forever. I want to have Belinda come up and she's going to lead us in worship. But as she comes up, I would just like you to join us in prayer. And just to be able to close your, uh, you know, when you close your eyes or when you just process, may, may you be able to think of Jesus as who he truly is and not just uh, just like, oh, yeah, I just somewhat believe. No, the testimony of others, the witness of others, of who Jesus is in my life and for others, because if we really believe it, then we'll really let it, uh, live it out because we're going to talk next week when you people see... Jesus, do they see you live in it? How do they see you? Let us pray. If there any, Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Son of Man. Thank you for, uh, for being all that. And thank you for John the Baptist being the beginning lamp. And thank you for his works, Jesus' works, to be able to be demonstrated for us. And as we continue to dive in, may we always trust in you and who you are. Thank you so much. We love and praise you in Jesus name. Amen.